I'm awake. I'm awake. I'm here. Ugh. What's worse, I wonder? Season 3, which had Drek and awesome. Or Season 5, which has boring and awesome. It's just... Why are these our choices? I don't... Whatever. Did you know five separate writers were involved in this one? <laughs> I've said it before. I've been saying it since Voyager, when I first started these kind of things, actually. That's never a good sign. That's one of those, <sighs> kind of situations. Uh, one of the funny things, though, is Whoopi Goldberg, that is to say Guinan, was not involved until basically the last minute. In fact, she was written into the script just a couple of days before they actually started shooting, which, if you've been paying attention or you know anything about television production at the time, is kind of crazy. But Whoopi Goldberg was just kind of randomly available, and they were like, go, go, go. And I do think it was a good call. I think she's one of the better aspects of the episode. I'd say the second best aspect of the episode. She has a good chemistry, and she knows how to handle herself around, uh, let's call them non-standard characters, like Barkley, uh, or Rolaren, or a kid. She does a good job of being the connector, and she does a good job of that here as well. Now, <laughs> i got to admit, it's kind of the downside of having such a popular actress as part of a regular TV show. They show up whenever they can. I mean, where was Guinan back in... Uh, I don't remember the name. It was just a few episodes ago. The, the one where the alien beings take over Troy and... Uh, Power Play. Where was Guinan during Power Play, right? Anyways. Also, it's nice to see Taya back from Shadow Play. Taya? Taya? I don't actually remember what they called her. Okay, I do actually have something to say about that. That is Noli Thornton. Uh, she's the child actress who plays her. And she's actually pretty good. And I've talked, it, it's so obvious why child actors are a problem. They're younger, they're less experienced, and there are pretty strict laws involved with what you can do with them. Like, you know, obviously, you can only sh uh, record for relatively brief periods of time, and they have to have people on site to help them, and blah, 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 blah. So it makes sense to me that you would generally want to avoid using child actors. This is, I'd say, the third best part of the episode. She is actually pretty good, and it makes this is why I mentioned the DS9 thing. It makes sense that if you happen to stumble across a good child actor, you want to use her in something else if you can. And they used her because she, she's a great human element. She's a good perspective character for the show. If anything, I wish she had been more of a perspective character for the show. And the other woman, uh, who I didn't write down the actress's name, but the woman who plays Isabella, actually does a pretty good job of her, mostly because she's not acting. She's reciting lines. I know what you're thinking. Well, that sounds like a bad thing. Not if you're portraying an alien who has no understanding of human concepts. As weird as this may sound, Isabella's rote repeating of most of her lines gets across a good idea of the concept that she is an alien. It's almost robot-like, and it, it actually works to add to the creepy factor. I do gotta wonder, though. I look at, Is uh, I look at Clara, excuse me. And I think, what was she doing during Cost of Living? Well, you remember that episode, right? Where the life support was basically turned off for an extended period of time so they could save the ship at the last minute? Did they just put the kids down for that kind of a thing? I mean, families live on these ships. I know that's a weird thing to bring up, but every time there's some threat of the week, I just find myself wondering, what the hell are the kids doing? Like, you saw the school section during this episode, right? There's a plenty of kids down there. Anyways. 
I also want to mention this episode was directed by Gabriella Beaumont, which I'm probably pronouncing her name incredibly wrong, and I feel bad about that, but whatever. She's actually a surprisingly good director. And I say surprisingly good because she she's only done, like, what, nine episodes of Star Trek? Not a lot. Like, one on Voyager, one on DS9. In fact, here, let me, let me pull up the list here because I actually have the list uh, right here. She's only done a few episodes here. Let's, let's count these out really quick. Uh, I was right. It is nine episodes. But the list of episodes she's done is really good stuff. Blink of an Eye on Voyager. In Purgatory Shadow on DS9, which we've already covered by this point. Lower Decks, a personal favorite of mine. Face of the Enemy, a great episode we'll be getting to later. This one, Disaster, which I praised. High Ground, which I praised. Booby Trap, which is among my favorites. And Suddenly Human, which is just kind of there. But I point that out because that is nine, well, that is seven excellent episodes and two passable episodes. That is one heck of a of a resume for someone who's only done nine episodes of Trek. Now, obviously, she's done other stuff, but you get the point. Anywho, she does a really good job with the day-to-day side of the episode, which is my favorite part of the episode, by the way. There are a surprisingly large amount of scenes which were probably supposed to be filler to pad out the runtime, and yet all of them work for me. There's just Crusher and Ogawa chatting about you know, some romance thing. There's, uh, I think it was Picard and Riker? Actually, I don't remember who it all was, now that I think about it. There's the scene with them debating what they're going to do next. Maybe it was Data. God, I don't remember who it was. There's the scenes on Tin Forward where they're just kind of kibitzing. There's nice little insights into what's going on in engineering. There's the scenes in the classroom. There's a lot of little slice-of-life peaks in this episode, and they help to... I guess drag me in, for lack of a better way to put it. It makes it feel more real, more believable, more lived in, more immersive, whatever word you want to use there. It enhances my overall enjoyment, which is good because the rest of the episode is damned boring. So I've talked for a bit now. I don't know how many minutes. I don't have a timer here. Um, And I have already gone through half of my notes on this episode. In fact, I want to share something with you. So at a certain point, all of a sudden, Isabella is like, red eyes, don't, don't. Now I'm going to talk about why that's stupid in a second. And then several scenes follow, and then she approaches Clara with red eyes. Don't, don't wait. Now, the thing is, I had nothing to write down in the scenes in between. I noticed the red eyes, and I was going to make a comment about it. And then I looked down at my notes, and I noticed that the, the previous line on my notes was the previous red eyes scene, which was several minutes ago. And that's never a good sign. Good or bad episodes I can talk about. What the hell do I do with a boring episode? Now, in fairness, that's just my problem, which is why I asked the earlier thing. What's worse, bad episodes or boring episodes? Take your pick, I guess. Ultimately, I'd probably go with boring, at least in this format, because at least a boring episode is just like, yeah, whatever. A bad episode is like, But then again, I've been said to say the exact opposite about video games before. So what the hell do I know? So a kid wanders into engineering, unopposed, unattended. Sure. Oh, yeah, Isabella shows up early. I don't like that. I, I mentioned that this episode went through the ringer on the writers, and a lot of the, right, the behind-the-scenes is basically talking about how they had no idea how to construct this episode. They didn't know what they were doing, and they didn't know where to, they wanted to go with it. Now, I point that out. I point that out because it's clear that there's just pieces missing. Is this a mystery? No. The solution to the episode is within the first couple of minutes. There's aliens in the nebula, and 
they have manifested as this kid, this imaginary friend. If they had con so there are several scenes after they reveal Isabella where Isabella is still present but no longer being perceived by Clara. One of the things they could have done if they wanted to push the mystery angle, and I think that was part of one of the original script versions, is they could have made it so that we don't see her until she appears for other people much later on in the narrative. Or maybe like one incident with Worf, which makes you go, wait, what? You know, just little bits like that. Instead, revealing this so early means there's no mystery. Furthermore, they go into engineering and it's like, oh my god, the ship's being destroyed. And she's like, hang on, i got to do something. And then the problem goes away and she comes back. Now we understand the threat of the week is her or whatever she's connected to, and there's nothing left to deduce. In fact, when the crew then come up with it, most of my actual thoughts were literally, oh, God, about time. Because we've known that since Act 1. And I think that's part of the problem. They simply reveal too much too quickly. Like I said, I don't like to criticize without critiquing, but I stand by my earlier statement. I would have gone ahead and made it so that Isabella isn't revealed on camera until much later. And thus, we're not 100% sure if she's actually there. Now, if you don't like that idea, here's an alternate idea. She appears the whole time. But the difference is she only appears when it's just Clara. Or if you want to be really tricky, you could have her, like, for example, the opening scene. Troy's sitting there, Cl uh, Clara's sitting there, and have Isabella sitting there. And I know Miss Beaumont could do this kind of camera work, so maybe, you know have a shot of the three of them and then have Isabella just sitting there, not actually doing anything. And then Clara turns to him and is like, would you like, you know, one scoop or two or whatever? And Isabella just nods. No no dialogue. And then he goes, okay. And then, like, have the camera kind of pan over to Troy. And as the camera's panning, ask, you know, get the kid out of there, out of the scene, so that when the camera finishes its pan, we see that there's no one there. And thus we get across the idea of the imaginary friend. And this could then add to the idea of maybe this really is something that's just in her head, or maybe this is something unconnected to the threat of the week, or whatever, you know. <sighs> Instead, it's shown very early on. And then they talk about how the imaginary friend gets aggressive. And this is when the episode pretty much officially loses me. Because everyone else presumes that this is just an imaginary friend, a.k.a. it's just Clara. Yeah, logical. And first of all, I have to point out something. Why doesn't Troy notice anything different about her at all emotionally? She, she is an empath, right? Has she been lying this whole time? Did she really lose all her powers back in... Uh, I can't remember the name of it. Back in the episode where she loses her powers. And she's just been wigging it along this whole time. Is that what's going on? So Troy notices nothing. Friend is getting more aggressive, and nobody believes her until pretty much right at the end. And I hate a Cassandra Truth story. That has always been the kind of story that pisses me off. I don't even know how to properly vocalize why. It just irritates me. And then, of course, red eyes, oh my god. The thing we already knew is totally true. Dun, dun, dun. And that happens twice, for some friggin' reason. Yeah. Now... I do want to mention one other thing. I actually forgot I wrote these down. I mentioned the Day in the Life episodes. There's actually two other things. Guinan and Data, who are discussing what they see in the clouds. Clearly, it's a bunny rabbit. And there was a nice scene between, I forget his name, Clara's father. Um, does it actually say here? No, of course it doesn't. Clara's father and Geordi, as they discuss what it's like having parents in Starfleet when they were kids. 
slice of life moments. Like I said, that's when the episode really works for me. There's also a surprisingly few, uh, good number of scenes right at the end, and these do work for me as well, I'll give it, where Picard is weirdly good with children. Now, I say weirdly good because he's supposed to have a character trait of not being good with children, but as episodes have shown several times, he actually is. Funnily enough, one of the last episodes where he was good with kids was The Disaster, which was also directed by Gabriella Beaumont. Huh. Anyways... But there's this nice bit where he just says, I hope we can count on you. It's a nice bit. It shows that he's taking her seriously. It shows that she's relevant, and that she matters. That she's not being talked down to or condescended at. That's a very important thing to show a child, in, in my opinion. And he does a great job of it. And then, of course, when he deals with Isabella, he does so perfectly. <laughs> now, granted, he manages to talk his way out of the problem, and that is a very Picard thing to do. I'd prefer that over a technobabble solution any day. But I like the idea of him defending themselves by simply explaining the nature of the rules. Someone who is young does not understand everything. Duh. But he has to explain this to this alien who does not understand that concept. Our young do not have the capacity to care for themselves. Not really. And so that's why we come up with these rules. Now, there's a whole mess of gray in there. But at least in the idealized Starfleet, this all makes perfect sense. Kids really should be restricted in what they can do on a starship. Because, duh. Even ignoring any potential actual malice or whatever, a kid can completely, by accident, completely screw up, and as a consequence, cause issues. I mean, we had an old episode about that, actually. I forget the name of it. It's the one where the kid was pretending to be Data. You remember that? Anyways. And this is the final nail in the coffin of the episode, because Picard posits the idea that Isabella has been perceiving humanity from the perspective of a child, which is a great idea. In fact, it's an idea that is so amazing, I wish it had been in this episode, because it wasn't. All the, the day-in-the-life stuff was completely unconnected from the main plot. It was just little slices of life here and there. We never actually got to see the ship from the perspective of the kids with one exception, and that's when they ran into Worf. And he, that, that was actually done perfectly. Big, intimidating. But he, there's no reason for that. He's, he's a decent guy, and he's a jovial person, and he's completely casual about the whole thing. But you run into someone like Worf, and I mean, it's not like Michael Dorn is short, you know? That would be intimidating. Other than that, though, it doesn't actually have the kid's perspective. Now, this is funny, because there's an episode in Voyager, I can't remember the name, please forgive me, which also was supposed to be an incident, you know, an episode of Voyager told from the perspective of a child. That idea was completely torpedoed and replaced by the stupid holodeck novel program thing instead. So that's two episodes we could have had in Star Trek to show things from a child's perspective, which were both newt. And I don't know if Rick Berman was responsible for this one, but I'm starting to sense a trend here. Maybe he was. No, I'm, I'm just kidding. I don't know why this episode ended up the way it did. But that's all I got. I'm sorry, guys. I try to come up with stuff to say. I really do. I hope you've enjoyed. I'll see you next time.